Hello again and welcome to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And uh, we're thinking about things and we're glad that you tuned in to join us. Uh, Last week, Stan, we began to talk about liturgy, uh, Apostles' Creed. By the way, we're going to be doing that this Sunday. I don't know if Jacob told you about that, but it's just one of the fringe benefits of this whole podcast. But it, it kind of opened up a conversation about why would we do that. It's kind of a new thing to evangelicals, and we want to talk today about a trend, if, if, if you'd call it a trend, but we're aware of some notable evangelicals of late who have uh, come out and declared themselves Catholic in heart and actually have joined the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church. And so... What is that all about? Um, what, what do we think about that? I think it's a fascinating question, Bob. Um, the, the recent stimulus to talk about it is uh, it revolves around Mark Galley, former editor and longtime editor of Christianity Today. Flagship evangelical publication founded by Billy Graham in 1956, I believe it was. Um, and, and Mark, uh, who was for a long time Presbyterian pastor, then a journalist, became um, uh, the, the, the major guy at Christianity Today, the major editor. He's now joined the Roman Church. Now, for him, it's actually a reversion to the church because he was baptized Catholic as an infant. It was only later that he became self-declared evangelical. But there have been others over time. I I remember in the mid-1980s, Tom Howard, who was then a professor of English at Gordon College. He was part of a really well-known New England evangelical family. He became Catholic. Uh, Scott Hahn was a Presbyterian who became a Catholic theologian. And one of the really interesting ones was... um, Oh, uh, mid... uh, 14, 15 years ago... Francis Beckwith was the uh, president of the Evangelical Theological Society that year, and in the middle of the year of his presidency, became a Roman Catholic. In his case, again, reversion, because he was baptized Catholic. Why on earth would that happen? Well, I think as, as I survey the scene and as I, as I read what these people say, and, I've, and, and when I think of people I've talked to, in the past, um, I think there there are at least three different things. Number one, there there's a a desire for beauty, uh, liturgy, a sense of majesty, maybe in the church experience that tends to be absent um, in evangelicalism. I think I think secondly, you've got a, a, a on the part of some a desire for doctrinal authority and clarity. And, Even and, if it's unbiblical doctrine, at least it's clear. Well, that's and that's the problem. I mean, when you have um, someone who has declared himself committed to believing what evangelicals believe about the nature of the gospel, to to go back mm-hmm. to or to enter the Roman Church in spite of uh, what the Roman Church teaches about the nature of the gospel, about the doctrine of justification, and so on, you have to ask, really? I mean, but his, he's saying, but at least it's clear. I don't, 
He may, I don't know if he agrees with it, but at least he's saying that the church is saying one thing. Yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to know what, what he says. I, I think what, what Frank Beckwith basically said when he, he wrote a small book uh, defending his reversion to the Roman church was that he, he would say, if we understand Catholic theological statements, dogmas, in their historical context, and we, we parse it all properly, then in the end you can, you can be an evangelical Catholic. You, you, can, you can really somehow bring the two together. Now, frankly, I, th- I think that, that tends to be playing with words. Um, it, public statements that have tried to make that case mm-hmm. have, have, I think, intentional ambiguity built into them. And now, we admit, I mean, in terms of the catechism of the Catholic Church, there's so much there mm-hmm. that we agree with, e- even about the doctrine of justification, because the catechism says we enter into the sphere of justification by grace alone. Yeah. As has nothing to do with works. But the Catholic Church defines justification as inclusive of what we would call sanctification. So in the Catholic doctrine, there is no radical declaration of full forgiveness and acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's you're accepted in, and now you have the chance to keep yourself in by doing all the right things in terms of works and in terms of sacraments, which are interpreted in an almost magical mm-hmm. way. I remember one time I got a letter from a, a Catholic church. It doesn't happen very often, but one of our ladies had moved out of the, the city into another city. Godly woman, working in the kitchen, uh, part of our learning. And uh, the priest had written this letter saying, so-and-so uh, wanted you to know that, that she's going to be leaving your church she's, and that she's coming home because she had come from the Catholic church. Yeah. But in her mind, uh, this, this was her natural home. And I thought, what were we, you know? Um, why couldn't she feel that way in, in the Baptist fold or the evangelical fold? Yeah, now, of course, in, in a sense, according to Catholic theology, if you were baptized as a Catholic, you are a Catholic forever. Now, you may, you may be a rebellious Catholic wandering around. You may, um, you may apostatize, but in some sense, there's an indelible mark on your soul by your baptism. So I understand why so she my might, wife's still a Catholic. In Catholic theology, she would be if she was <laughs> baptized as a Catholic. I'll have to tell her but that. you know, it's I, I still remember thinking about this whole issue of the doctrinal authority, the the teaching authority of the College of Bishops. Um, I still remember uh, twenty years ago at our Bible college at Heritage. We had a student who was in his last year of his Bachelor of Theology program, and he was very attracted to the Catholic Church, talked with me about it on numerous occasions, and and ultimately, I, I regret to say, the Sunday after he graduated from our college, he was received into the Roman Catholic Church, and he's now a Catholic military chaplain. For him, the big thing was, I want that authority. I mean, I want to know what the truth is. I'm 
Protestants don't have a teaching authority. We, we go off in all sorts of wild directions. And I said to him, Mike, to use that name, because that was his name, mm-hmm. I said, Mike, <laughs> you're living in an idealized world. I mean, if you enter the Catholic Church, you're going to suddenly recognize it's full of heretics. You're going to come up against radical feminists and liberation theologians who are going to drive you crazy. The fact is, there, there is incredible doctrinal diversity within the Catholic Church. Re- yeah. you're, you're working with an idealized picture of what it's all about. Yeah. I remember one day talking to a Jesuit theologian who said to me, Stan, when you, when you guys, you know, when you guys differ, when you have a difference of opinion, start a new denomination. When, when we have these major differences in the church, we just let them start a new order, and, yeah. we ke- and we keep it all under the same umbrella. So what do we need to do as evangelicals in response to this? Is there something we can do? Are we missing something? Can we reclaim some of the, um, the ancient ways or the, the sense of majesty and liturgy? Uh, or do we say, no, this is us. If you want that, then you've got to go to the Catholic Church. Well, I think, I think we can recover some things. The, some of these concerns that evangelicals becoming Catholics express, I think, are a way of stating some genuine concerns that we ought to think about. At the same time, I think we need to be careful not to overreact because it's, it's not like we have this huge flood of evangelicals mm-hmm. becoming Roman Catholics. As I read this scene, it's mostly evangelical academics. You might call the intellectual elite of evangelicalism who sort of think about these things as historians. And, and for them, it, it's intellectualized and often idealized, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's not like everyone in our church is saying, I have a hankering to become a Roman Catholic. Fortunately, we don't have a whole lot of intellectuals. Well, there you go. Now, but I do think, it. I remember back in the mid-'80s when Tom Howard was a well-known evangelical who became Roman Catholic, he said, I have never met a thoughtful evangelical who did not lament the barrenness of evangelical corporate worship. Wow. Now, I think that's overstated, mm-hmm. but I can speak from a personal experience of, I, I mean, I've, I can appreciate liturgical worship when when people who really believe these things say yeah. them out loud together. Yeah. So, now granted, um, that can become empty words, merely repeated. But we don't stop singing songs because that can become an empty ritual for people who just say the words without really meaning it. Um, there are some things that we perhaps could recapture. We could even start with a simple thing like a unison amen or amen, whichever way you want to say it, at the end of prayers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, all God's people said amen. Right. You, you can, there are ways to do that. Um, I think we, on the issue of doctrinal clarity and, and unity and so on, we, we could take theology more seriously. We talked about that recently. And, and I, we agree that, that we could do that so we could hold accountable evangelicals wander down strange paths. 
even at the I know there's there's this desire for unity and people who become Catholic often say, look at Jesus' prayer in John 17. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wants us all to be one. Yeah, he does want us mm-hmm. to display a visible unity to the world. But frankly, what many evangelicals display across denominational lines through our informal and sometimes more formal networks is probably a better display of unity than what you have in the contemporary Catholic Church. There are ways we can we can be we can be yeah. attuned to some legitimate concerns, but you don't have to become a Roman Catholic, I think, to to appreciate those concerns and and make perhaps some adjustments. Yeah, in ministerials that I've been part of in the past, it was always interesting that the, the Roman Catholic Church didn't really come to these things. I thought that was odd. You know, I noticed Stan that when I have had the opportunity to go into a Catholic church. They have these kneeling benches. You, you're probably aware yes. of that. And we say, well, that's Catholic. Well, that's interesting because what better way to enter into a worship service than to kneel and to pray and to be quiet, where in a lot of our evangelical churches it's party time, gabbing right up until the time when the worship leader leads in a, in a song of worship. So I, I do think we need to uh, wonder out loud about some of the ways that we go about worshiping God and to understand and appreciate that there are some who yearn for that and they may leave our fold for for that reason and swallowing a lot of doctrinal impurity. It's that important to them. Yeah, I, I really agree. I think there are some uh, reforms we can make. There mm-hmm. are some adjustments we could make to, to recapture a bit of the uh, the gravity yeah. of God's people offering and worship together. I, yeah. For example... I think if I if I enter an evangelical church and the leader up front starts it all off by saying, how are you doing today? I think to myself, yeah. I'd really like to choke you. I, <laughs> why, why, why don't we start maybe with uh, a call to worship from the Psalms? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, about, how about we make this something other than, than such a, 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 an excessively informal time? Mm-hmm. So I, I have my own, I'm a reformer, I guess, in some ways myself. I have my own desires for some reformation in our tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, don't always win the arguments. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's also helpful for us to remember our roots. Uh, you know, Michael Haken, who you know re- really well, is a real blessing to our movement because yes. he's calling us back to uh, our history. And we do go back. There is a, a pathway all the way back. It may not be Baptist, but the things that we believe have been believed by uh, every generation. And there are wonderful stories about faithfulness. And I, I just think when we ignore that, we just seem to be isolated. Johnny come lately is on the Christian scene, and we need to restore that. Uh, Stan, we, uh, we've been We've been thinking out loud for 15 minutes. That's the typical time that we go for. But um, final words? Wow. Final words? I I think there's something we can learn from people who express genuine concerns about evangelicalism. But the resources for becoming what we ought to be are are there in our tradition, and, and we could usefully recapture some of that. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to us, and uh, I would challenge you to go into your own community, your own church family, and uh, wonder out loud with some 
uh, folk who feel the same way as to how you might uh, reinvest in the way you worship. That We would love to think that that kind of thing is happening as a result of our podcast. I'm Bob McGregor, pastor of Grandview Baptist Church. And I'm Stan Fowler, an elder at Grandview Church. Thanks for listening. Keep thinking. Thank you.